What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we continue to trudge through the snow and the sleet and the hail and dive into some more December-esque movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to do it a little bit differently this week instead of doing a Christmas movie, we decided to do a movie that just kind of has those like uh, winter vibes. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. when we thought of doing something like that, we realized there was a certain movie that is very, it's considered a horror classic that we had not yet talked about. And December just kind of seemed like the perfect time to do so. That's true. But we have we brought up today's movie a couple times, yes. like very briefly in the past. Yes, we have, which is why we kind of felt like we needed to talk about it, because every time we've brought it up, we've alluded to our feelings about it. And mm -hmm. we've always been like, oh, we're going to have to talk about that. And the day has come. Our gift to you for our second episode of December is none other than... The Shining. Dun, dun, dun. Shining, 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 shining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's time. Uh, we could not put it off any longer. Like we said, The Shining takes place, you know, in a very wintry setting. So it just kind of felt like the vibes were right for December. And I mean, we also I feel like. Oh, go ahead. Opened up the Pandora's box of Stephen King, too, recently. Mm -hmm. uh, finally. It took us long enough, but we finally did it. You're right. Yeah. It took us long enough. But now that we've opened it, oh, we can't be stopped. <laughs> we, we can't be tamed. It's going to be Stephen King. It doesn't... I mean, he only has, what, like, 56 movie adaptations of his books. That's Easy. Like you can do that so in a week. Many. So many of them. So... Stephen King is um his adaptations are going to take us a while to to get through. But the interesting thing about this one is there's two adaptations of it. That's you have true. This Shining, the Stanley Kubrick Shining, but then they also made a miniseries off of this one as well that came out in the like mid or late 90s. I want to say 97. Okay. Um so this is a bit of a, a twofer, although, I mean, it's not the only one because it is kind of similar where it has a miniseries and then a like a feature film. That's true. That's um, true. I think the biggest difference here, though, is that Stephen, even though we bring up Stephen King, he makes no claims towards the adaptation no. that we're talking about today. Uh, no, he hates it. Yeah, he uh, hates he, it. <laughs> he much prefers the miniseries because the miniseries is much more of not only faithful to the book adaptation, but I also I think just fits what he was 
wanting for the characterizations and the atmosphere and everything, you know, that miniseries is much more in that realm. Yeah. And I've seen both. Have you seen the miniseries or have you? I have not watched the miniseries now. Okay. I have seen, so I've seen this Shining we're talking about. I've seen the miniseries and I've also read the book. And you've also read the book. I was going to ask that too, because I think the last time we talked about this, you'd mentioned that you'd read the book. Yes, I have. So I have seen all three iterations, or I've read or seen all three iterations. So I will be probably involving that a little bit in our conversation today. Not too crazy because... Um, you know, I, I still want to take this movie for what it is, but I do feel like because Stephen King feels so strongly about this adaptation, it is worth, you know, comparing and contrasting it a bit. Cause I do have, I do also have some feelings about certain aspects that are um, like carry on or are changed between the three. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I might bring some of that up, but I do still also want you to read the book in the future. So I don't want to do too much. Of course, the story is like, the story is the same. So it's not like you can spoil anything. But like, even not reading the book, I know mm -hmm. enough about what happens in the book versus the movie that if you say something, trust it's not going to be a spoiler. It's the internet's already spoiled it for me. So you're fine. Truly. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) there's, it's hard to, it's hard to avoid, but yes. So we will be focusing mainly on, uh, the Stanley Kubrick, the shining, but I will pepper in a couple of my thoughts about the other ones throughout, but Erica will be our official cited sources for this episode. (laughs) Little footnotes, uh, yes, and uh, that will be the little cheat sheet <laughs> and spark add, notes for some of our older homies. You know, add a little extra seasoning to the dish. <laughs> um, but I think other than that, I'm ready to dive into this conversation. How about yourself? Yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs> All right, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today, we are talking about The Shining from 1980. This was directed by Stanley Kubrick, also written by Stanley Kubrick with some help from Diane Johnson, based on The Shining by Stephen King, and starring Jack Nicholson as Jack, Shelley Duvall as Wendy, Danny Lloyd as Danny, and Scatman Crothers as Dick Holleran. Jack Torrance just got a new job as the Overlook Hotel's newest winter caretaker. He arrives with his wife Wendy and son Danny and is delighted at the idea of five months of peace to work on his writing. However, not long into the family's stay, strange things begin happening to the hotel and to Jack. And when our confident caretaker begins unraveling at the seams, it is up to a mother and a son with a special gift to stop Jack before history repeats itself at the Overlook Hotel. Insert scary ghost twins, Native American decor, and creepy talking finger puppets here. Our film concludes with Jack terrorizing his family with an axe, and Wendy and Danny trying to escape this winter wonderland turned nightmare. Also, 
Here's Johnny. Roll credits. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Although that's funny, cause, like The Shining, I feel like it's one of those stories where it's like, even if you haven't seen it, you know the plot. Like you know. Mm-hmm. You, you either know you know the on. plot or you know like all the key scenes. Like you 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 know it, all yeah. the big scenes that everybody talks about. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You you've seen you've seen at least one scene from The Shining, mm-hmm. if you've, nothing else. You've seen the twins. You've seen the little the bike mm-hmm. going through the hallway. Yep. You've seen the here's Johnny. You've seen the here's Johnny. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of very iconic moments in this film, but it's makes a lot of sense since this is a a Kubrick film, which a lot of people consider him one of the absolute greats of filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Not here to uh, contest that because I know some people stand by that uh, really, really concretely. So uh, Mm -hmm. that is one battle I'm not trying to fight today. (laughs) However, we did have our own personal feelings about The Shining in the past when we talked about this previously. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe both of us on record have gone to say that we kind of think that The Shining was a little bit overrated. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not that has stayed true to this iteration of us watching, you know, we'll see today. But that is what we said in the past. If you're trying to, like, look up what we said, you're curious about how we felt about it when we talked about it originally. We're both like, we kind of think this movie's a little overhyped. Um, yeah. Do you still... do you? Still agree with that to an extent, or oh, the opinion still stands. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I mean, does. if that's the case, then Erica, please let me know. Um, <laughs> what is in your notebook? Okay, so I want to preface this by saying I this I do think that this movie, in many regards, is masterfully done. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I have to necessarily like it. So that's fair. That's my, very fair. I like. I can acknowledge that a movie is, you know, a beautiful film or a wonderfully done film, while also acknowledging that there are aspects of it that just aren't great, in my opinion. And one of my very first notes was kind of a a reminder to me of why I feel that way, mm-hmm. and okay. it's. In the very beginning, you know, we get those sweeping shots of of Jack going up the mountain. Mm -hmm. And my first note is love this movie's cinematography and iconic imagery. Dislike the characterizations because I think that is something that has always stood for me is I'm not a huge fan of. I think that this I don't want to say that this movie is style over substance because I don't necessarily think that that's true because I do also still think that there are great scenes in this movie as far as the dialogue goes and as far as the acting goes however I do feel like when you remember The Shining and what stands out to you in The Shining is the imagery not the acting at least not for me (laughs) and not not necessarily the Everything that happens with the characters along the way is second nature to the the imagery. You know, like yeah. you're not gonna remember. Oh, you're not gonna remember. Uh, you know, Wendy and Danny throwing snowballs at each other. Mm-hmm. But you're gonna remember that shot of Jack staring out the window and having that crazed look on his face. That's what you'll remember. You're not right. going to remember like <laughs> Wendy and Jack having that moment in bed. Like that stuff is not important because everything else kind of takes 
a center stage. Mm -hmm. It's very true. And I think that's something that you run into a lot when you uh, look at movies from very prolific directors. It kind of feels like if a really famous director, right, has a good movie with a bunch of great acting in it, Mm -hmm. you always give the director credit. Whereas if the movie's kind of trash and the acting is really good, you typically give the actors credit. And I feel like this is one of those films where although everyone, I think for the most part, really praises Jack Nicholson and to an extent, Shelley Duvall's performances overall, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when you talk to longtime fans of this movie, they're usually um, big Kubrick fans as well, from yeah. at least my personal experience. Right. Yes. It's. It, I think this movie gets loud, like uh, praised a lot for being Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, you know, and mm-hmm. like that's his thing, which, you know, fair. Be- I, I think when you get a director such as him, it's hard not to feel like the movie you're watching is so much of him because of the way that he directs, because of how hands-on and how particular he is almost to the point of obsession mm-hmm. with these movies. Yeah, that he's, he's you, like a huge perfectionist, right? Like, there's there's yeah. a lot of whispers about working with yeah. Kubrick and how difficult it can be how because of much how of meticulous t- he yeah. is. How much of a toll that takes on the actors, these numerous, numerous, numerous takes that are looking for perfection and i almost i i get it like i i know why he does that and it like i said it makes for a beautiful film but it doesn't make for a personal film in this case Mm -hmm. i don't feel like I feel as much for these characters as I would like to. And it's because everything feels so polished. It's not like watching a family at times. It's like, you know, you know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to feel, I think in this regard, because of the isolation aspect, I really kind of do want to feel like I'm there watching a family because I do need to care about their circumstances. Mm -hmm. But at times everything feels so placed, everything feels so choreographed that I am very aware that I'm watching a movie, which isn't necessarily a bad, I get it. I know I'm watching a movie, so it's not (laughs) like a bad thing. But I think if I were to care about them more, that I would be more invested in a two and a half hour movie mm-hmm. because I I need to be if I'm going to be sitting through a two and a half hour movie. Oh, yeah. My my first note was uh, me actually writing down my reaction to starting The Shining and seeing how long it was again. Um, I simply wrote, but... <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> this is a long ass movie. Like a lot of Kubrick's other movies, very long. Mm-hmm. Um though I will I will I will say from the beginning, um it was a really long movie, but watching it still felt decently brisk for me. Um I did take breaks. I did not sit for the entire <laughs> 2 hours. I did occasionally take a 10 minute break to go do something else, but mm-hmm. um it could have been worse. And I think it could have been worse if it was a worse movie. But because it is a very pretty and well shot movie and pretty well directed, at least in my opinion, 
Um, it, the, the time didn't feel as bad as I initially thought, but that motherfucker still felt long. It is still, yeah. it is still a long movie. And mm-hmm. just out of curiosity in general, do you, would you consider yourself a Kubrick fan or? I mean, the thing about it is I do think that he is a, a very smart director. And I do think, like I said, he makes for some iconic imagery and it seems like for some people who work with him they love that right they love the push they feel like they're giving amazing performances which i think is true you do see some amazing performances within his films while other actors have much more they don't enjoy the experience at all right like they never want to do something like that again (laughs) however i am not a person who searches out his films I never sit down and say, oh, I feel like watching Eyes Wide Shut or like, you know, like I'm Mm -hmm. like never, I don't think I've ever sat down and been in the mood for a Kubrick film. I will watch them because I do feel like being in the, being interested in film that his movies are definitely ones that you need to see, you know, like just to study and to watch what he did, what he did with his films, I think is worth seeking out however as a fan as just a cinema goer i am not i i'm not checking for him let's just say that <laughs> i'm I checking for, for stanley <laughs> no i'm not for like i uh, yeah it's he like i i like i yeah i can't think of honestly i can't even think of the last time that i watched the shining of my own accord Mm, like, okay, that's fair. I think I just catch it when it's on TV sometimes, uh-huh. but I can't remember the last time that I wanted to watch it. Yeah, that was a lot of my initial experience with this movie. I've, I've seen The Shining probably three or four times now, um, mm-hmm. but it was typically growing up, it was a little bit like that, where like you, I'd seen it once, and then I would catch bits and pieces of it on TV. But for me, I think this is the only Kubrick film that I've ever watched more than once. Gotcha. Whereas, like, as a director, I respect the hell out of Kubrick for the same reasons you were talking about, just for mm-hmm. movie and filmmaking. Watching his stuff is very important, and I do recommend everybody do it, too, because you can learn a lot about just the ins and outs of filmmaking, especially for when he was making these films. It's pretty incredible the things he was able to do. But a lot of his stuff, although I respect and appreciate it, it's not necessarily films that I want to sit through. Like, I liked Clockwork Orange a ton. Do I want to watch it again? Not really. Uh, Mm -hmm. Same with Space Odyssey. Watched that in school during, you know, one of our movie days. I was like, this is cool, I guess, but... Do I want to sit through the entire thing again? No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's certain... The thing about his movies, though, like I s- keep mentioning, though, is there are those scenes where he fucking nails it, and I'll rewatch those over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. I'll look up scenes from Clockwork Orange or, like, 2001. I'll look up scenes from those and just watch those scenes because they're amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'll remember those scenes... But I'm not necessarily like wanting to sit down and watch all of the stuff that comes between. Right. Yeah. Everybody's taste is is totally different. I think that's the most important thing to remember because I feel like potentially not liking The Shining is maybe a little bit of a minority thought process or maybe a controversial. Someone, someone even time, called that a hot take by chance. Oh, some may. And you know what? <laughs> They're probably right. But I do think that it is important to remember that 
people's tastes are just different and and will it this movie will appeal to different people and that's equally as valid as saying oh i don't like this because x y and z because i i often see i follow a lot of movie accounts on instagram mm -hmm. and i'll often see pe them post a movie and people will get into fights in the comments about whether it's a good or it's a bad movie both of those can be equally as true dependent on the person yeah so if you're listening to this and you are a lover of the shining and you disagree with some of the things that we say i totally get it and you know what you are just as correct as i am correct because we're looking at it from different perspectives so yeah. just wanted to throw that out there if you made it this far into this review and you're like a huge shining fan um yeah you deserve a little bit of validation here because you didn't immediately click away when we're like we think it's a little overrated yeah. and yeah and don't worry you'll hear you'll still hear some shining love uh from me because it definitely there definitely is some but so yeah, oh, yeah. Don't, there, do not there... be afraid take my hand <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through this together <laughs> All right, well, sliding back into the movie a little bit mm -hmm. here, um, the big concern I saw with a lot of people who were book readers, right, is something you talked about, which was the characterization. So I kind of want to ask you what you liked and didn't like about it, the characters that we got in the film adaptation. Okay, so let's start with Old Boy Jack. Mm -hmm. um, here's the thing. I actually, because I think this is one of the biggest issues that Stephen King had, was Jack Nicholson's casting. I don't think that Jack Nicholson's casting it was a bad idea, actually, because I feel like in this very first scene, he's playing it well. He's just an everyman kind of guy. He's having this interview, and and it's fine. Where I start to have issues with this characterization of Jack is that he gets to, as soon as we see him next with his family in the car, it immediately feels like he does not have a good, he, it does not seem like he enjoys being around his family. Right? He Yo. seems irritated immediately. The, he looks like Danny, he was ready to ax his family before they even made he, it to the hotel. <laughs> If if they if they cut to a wide shot and he just swerved off of the mountain and like drove the car over the mountain, honestly, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have even flinched. I'd have been like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that tracks for me. That makes a lot of sense. And and like I think because in the in the book to go off of the book, mm -hmm. Jack is. Yes, he has a temper, and yes, he has had some issues, and yes, he used to be an alcoholic. Like, all of that is true. And we do often see that he does get frustrated with his family. However, he still is trying very, you know, he still loves them and is trying very hard to be a better person. And maybe you can be a little bit more nuanced with that when you're inside someone's head, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are in a book, you're, you're immediately inside of their thoughts. So you can kind of go along with their train of thought. So maybe that's why that's a little bit easier, but also in the book, Danny and is much closer to Jack. It actually is a frustration that Wendy has because she feels like Danny prefers 
his dad and that is kind of like irritating to her mm-hmm. but in this movie it, it just feels like we're seeing it it so it's like a i think they call it like a tell right where something happens and you can see it right away mm-hmm. you're like giving away information and it feels like in this movie in that car scene jack nicholson is giving too much it's too much of oh, I'm irritated by my family. It's not subtle enough for me. So it almost feels like we start with him hating them and then he just hates them and hates them and hates them. I would have loved to see more of love or or something between them because the whole point is a descent into madness. But if you're already mad at your family, then like then it just feels like you went to this hotel because you wanted to kill them, not you went to this hotel and then you wanted to kill them. Mm-hmm. It, I just don't feel like, it just doesn't feel like they are as much of a, a family as I want them to be. And yeah. that is that can be a true story. That can also be an interesting story, but I don't think it's the story they were meaning to tell because the fear and the scary of The Shining and The Overlook is that this hotel turns you into that. It turns you against your family. Right. But I don't feel like that because I'm like, Jack already apparently didn't give a fuck about his family. Mm -hmm. So I kind of don't care that he wants to kill them because like, okay. Yeah, it makes... Okay. (laughs) It makes a a lot of sense based on what we see that um, Jack would be a... uh, he'd be a danger to his family, especially because we, because we have a book adaption here, we miss some subtext, like you say. And the first time we see them as a family unit is in this car scene, right? So Mm -hmm. our first introduction to them as a whole, you get that feeling that Jack is not, um, he's not very warm towards his family. And even with the relationship between Wendy and Danny, from the small bit that we get of them at home, even that feels a bit strained in a way because uh, Danny seems very disconnected, but we never get to feel like they're a complete family before we get to the hotel, right? So it's Mm -hmm. hard to then establish that emotional journey because we never get to really see them super happy. I think like the one moment of like happy family that I feel like we get is when um, Wendy brings Jack breakfast, like the first morning. And he's like, oh, yeah, my favorites and all this. Like, that's the one time it's like, okay, happy loving family for like two seconds. And then we go immediately into him wanting to behead his his two loved ones. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. It's meant to feel like a gradual descent. And it feels like a sheer drop because it's not nearly as like it's not slow enough for me it's we see him one day and he's like ah i love breakfast and then we see him the next day and he's like you fucking bitch Mm -hmm. and it's like wait a minute and i know (laughs) that i know that we're jumping ahead in time right because a month passes and then we're starting to kind of jump day by day but but I, I, I think as an audience, 
we need to see a little bit more of what happened in that month. Because how did he get to this point already where he is sick of his family? And and there is something there in the isolation. And if he already does have kind of a tense relationship with them, I could see how living only with them would bring him to that point. But I need to see that a little bit. I, I would prefer for that to be chipped away over time rather than busted through with an axe and all of a sudden he's this cold horrible angry man that wendy and danny now have to kind of just live with right and you know and and i actually i actually love shelly duvall's performance in this i always have i've never had any issues with her performance the wendy in this movie is a lot different than she is in the book however she matches the jack that we get because mm -hmm. if Jack is going to be this kind of a man, then it makes sense that Wendy is a little bit more fragile, is a little bit more timid and meek because it seems like she's scared of him. Mm -hmm. So I actually think the Wendy that we get in this movie is an offset of the Jack that they have created for this movie. Yeah. I have no issues with her performance at all. I Yeah, same. I agree a lot. I, I know that Chili Duvall was getting a lot of criticism when the movie first came out. And I think over the years too, people still criticize her performance and the shining, but I have always felt that if you praise Jack Nicholson in this film, you have to praise Shelley Duvall as well, because mm -hmm. they are a duo pairing, uh, especially when you're working with scenes like this, like yes, in filmmaking, there are times when your partner in a scene may not be there or you may not be acting off of someone, but for a production like this, where they're doing, triple digit takes sometimes for certain scenes naturally you're going to be working with and off of someone else and so both of your performances hinge on being able to bounce off each other and work with each other so i think all of the highs that we get and all the lows that we get all of them are in tandem with these mm -hmm. two actors really um going at it and working together to tell this story um so i i, I agree i've always felt that her performance was actually really good for what this role was supposed to be and right. what it does overall for the relationships of the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think if you set when you set them together, her choices totally match for me. Yeah, they make way she, more sense. Yeah, what she's feeding off of him, I think it totally makes sense. So I think the Wendy that we are given in this movie, she does an awesome job. Mm -hmm. um, Danny is. Danny's fine. I mean, he's a kid. Like, I, I really have no issues or thoughts about um, about Danny. Yeah. I think that he's a very cute kid. And, you know, he, he plays, he does what he needs to do. He's appropriately scared throughout the film. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I think he's good. I give him props, too, for the creation of Tony, too. Like, I don't know how much of that was just, like, fed to him, right? Like, do this. This is Tony. But I thought his performance of that, of like playing another character within yourself, you know what I mean? At that age, mm -hmm. I think is impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He does. A, he does a good job. And, and I'm sure and he's creepy, a lot of man. That, Tony's yeah, creepy. Yeah. That's a creepy little finger. Tony is creepy. And yeah, kudos. I mean, good for Wendy for allowing him to do whatever he needs to do to cope. Because I would have been like, you you need to cut that out. <laughs> You're scaring me. <laughs> Give me the finger. We're getting rid of the problem. Right at the joint. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I 
<laughs> yeah, the, he he does a good job. I, I like him as Danny. Mm-hmm. There, to one of your points earlier, I did want to say that I think because, dude, it's hard. It's really hard not to make the comparisons, right? Because you know this is based off of something, despite the fact that Kubrick did whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to make those comparisons i I do think with the skeleton of the story here was a place where they really veered from each other and i think that can be a that can be a reason why people would like or dislike the direction here because it sounds like in the book correct me if i'm wrong it sounds like in the book we have this gradual story of like what the isolation in the hotel does to jack and his relationship with his family where in this version in the movie it's more of a we're locking two characters in with essentially a a firecracker of a character where you don't know when he's going to get set off but you have this imminent danger in jack um and then now you have this tension between the character that clearly it has anger issues and is dangerous being alone with these two characters who may be in mortal peril now mm-hmm. yeah no definitely it's it's you're right it, it seems like in this case jack is definitely always played up as the antagonist mm-hmm. even though we start with him it does definitely feel like he is always uh, from the moment that we kind of meet him and get to the hotel it, it starts to feel like he's always a bit of a threat especially when you find out that he's had this violence and this anger streak before and yeah he's on up and up but you, you can tell that that's still something that they're holding on to which is also true in the book you mm-hmm. know that is an aspect of it but i think another thing too that they really focus on in this that's different is that the the hotel seems like it's always targeting jack in Mm -hmm. the movie like he is the one they want he is the the person that they are wanting to grab on to and so it really does make jack much more of a of a a prominent character than any of the other characters because i i think after going back and re-watching it even when he's not the focal point it feels like jack is the the main focus because even when it's just Danny and Wendy I feel like a lot of the things that drive them are what Jack is doing or what's going on with him it doesn't always feel like they're they have their own respective things that they're doing Danny a little bit more obviously because of the shine Mm -hmm. but especially for Wendy it doesn't really seem like they have very much to do besides worry about Jack yeah it's like she's (laughs) Um, typically just like hanging around and then she has some altercation with Jack but that's usually how most of her scenes go right which I mean I get you know what else are you gonna do in this kind of a scenario where you are the only three people there but yeah it definitely feels like a lot of times we're kind of cutting back to what's going on with him whereas in the book uh danny is the focus of the hotel and then they move on to jack when they oh, realize really yeah they it, it's more so of because they they want danny's power and uh, but they can't so. quite infiltrate him so they use jack almost as an extension of the hotel uses jack as an extension of itself mm-hmm. to get Danny. Gotcha. So, and yeah, that's something that we don't really get too much of in the movie because, yeah, it feels like they always wanted Jack. He was always 
the thing that they wanted in in this and that they just kind of you know the the rest of the family was very disposable because he was who they were like focused on right. the entire time yeah i i agree with that too and that also brings up the fact that um the hotel itself really is a character um mm-hmm. i think in both the yeah. the the book and the movie ad- adaptations uh, the the overlook hotel in itself plays another role that um i'm kind of interested how you felt about um i picked up this time around some more stuff because i was looking at some like theories about like what the hotel is why it's the way it is and one line that stuck out to me this watch was the fact that the hotel was built on a native american burial site (laughs) yeah which i completely forgot yeah yeah which like that's such a trope it's such a trope it's such a trope for a while stephen king was heavily relying on that like Mm -hmm. as a trope for why these sites had powers and were evil and it's like oh my god things things go wrong (laughs) native american burial ground that's 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 the answer every time 10 out of 10 times and it's like oh lord but yeah they they kind of toss it in here a little bit here you know they kind of it's like a throwaway moment almost it, it is but i noticed more so this time around how much uh, how much Native American stuff is in the hotel, though. It's like they they really designed a lot of the hotel in the spirit of like uh, Native American design and whatnot. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Like with the different like the decorations on the walls, yeah. the paintings, the carpets. Like it's very yeah. subtly thrown in there. And I do agree the line itself was a throwaway line. But I, I just noticed more of the influence of that this time around than I think I ever have. See, and I guess I don't really notice that stuff because that's just Colorado. Like, if you mm. go into a hotel in Colorado, <laughs> it's decorated like that because it, it really is like that. I was going to ask because you live in Colorado and, like, you can visit the Overlook Hotel, right? It's a It's a place that you can yeah. go... Well, and- y- you can visit you can visit the Stanley Hotel, oh, okay. which is where Stephen King stayed at the Stanley in room two seventeen, and that's what he that's where he started writing The Shining. That's what the hotel is based off of. Oh, but but they used a different hotel for this movie. It's oh, okay. The, the timber or the timber line or something. And that's why they changed it. They changed it to room 237 in the movie because the hotel didn't have a room 237, but they had a room 217 and they were scared that nobody would want to stay in that room anymore. Uh, so that's why they they changed it. But yeah, you can go and you can go to the Stanley Hotel. It's in Estes Park and you can go there and you can do like a tour or you can stay the night mm-hmm. and erica actually covered a little bit of that in an older mm-hmm. episode if you guys want to go check it out where we talked about haunted places mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I do think that it is it is interesting and kind of fun to watch the characterization of the hotel as the movie goes on because it definitely gets more and more at least in the movie it gets more and more sinister the longer you stay there where the mm-hmm. weird happenings begin to happen more frequently and get and the hotel also gets a lot more bold in the ways that it presents itself to these characters. And I think that's just something that in the past I hadn't paid as much attention to because I was 
so busy watching Jack run around trying to axe people off. I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to the subtext. Right. Well, and it also seems like it kind of feeds off of them being there because it definitely seems like it needs people or death in some manner because it does not want them to leave. That is very important to the hotel is it does not want them to leave the hotel and any kind of outside interference. It it tries to cut that off because it needs them to stay separate from the world and the world to stay separate from the hotel. So mm -hmm. it does seem like as time goes on and it's kind of like feeding off of them and feeding off of Jack that, yeah, it's able to ramp up what it can do because it takes a while before we get to that first instance of like a really serious thing. Ha I mean, of course, Danny always sees things because of his gift. He kind of always is able to see things before they happen. Yeah. But as far as Jack, it, it, it does take a little while before we get to the first big incident, which is the woman in the room. Mm -hmm. um, or actually, no, I'm sorry. The first big incident would be him going to the bar. Because although Danny gets attacked by the woman, Jack doesn't see the woman until after the bar. Yeah, the first so. the first like a hallucination thing. Well, outside of the twins, yeah, was the bar, at least for Jack. Right. But but Danny could see that from the beginning. And I I honestly think that's just because of the shine right. that he was able to see the the twins from the very beginning. So so talk to me about that and like what exactly the shine is. Now they describe it in the movie to a pretty pretty good degree of like it's this idea that you see things that other people don't mm -hmm. something that you are just innately gifted with but what what is your understanding of the shining my understanding of the shine and it's been a while since i read the book so i don't entirely remember how they explain it there but it's kind of like some people have this like ability to see and know more than other people and so Kind of like what Dick says, if you find another person like it, you can reach out to them and you can kind of speak to them or kind of make them see what you say, see or feel what you see, feel what you feel. <laughs> and then and then you also can have that ability to do that with other people and also places. So kind of like how he says, oh, you know, that like, this uh places or like people there can be like a stain on them that kind of like sticks around i feel like that's probably something that if you have the shine you can if you're in a place and something has happened there or something will happen there maybe you can sense it or you can feel it or see it and the same thing with people is you can maybe sense or feel if somebody what a person's like or if, if a person's going to do anything which is why i feel like danny has that moment with jack where he asks him if if he would ever hurt them because you can tell that danny senses that something is wrong yeah with with jack and that he's not totally himself because he asks him if he's feeling okay mm -hmm. dad yes. do you feel bad no so tired why don't you go to sleep? I can't. I got too much to do. Dad? 
You like this hotel? the way i always interpreted it okay that's fair that's that's kind of what i came to the conclusion with too in terms of like what it was um because it it's always been interesting to me that this movie and the book is called the shining although in the movie version the shining it matters but it kind of also doesn't matter (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know like yes some people have the shining but the shining don't seem to really help nobody out too too much in the grand scheme not, of things not a crumb of help and it's interesting because the last 20 30 minutes of the movie the shining does not come into play at all like mm. you almost forget that danny can shine for that last bit because it just becomes kind of like a chase sequence yeah. <laughs> a long chase sequence that his shine does not help him through at all besides when he he feels dick like get hurt he get hurt he, yeah which we will that, we'll, we'll talk about oh, dick, we'll the, mm-hmm. the, the dick scene yeah uh, I, I, I left him i purposely left dick out from my characterization conversation because that's a whole other conversation we're gonna have <laughs> that's true that's true uh <laughs> the, the last shining as far as i can tell right is the red rum scene isn't it and mm-hmm. in in a way because it for me i understood that as Danny was foreseeing Jack's um, aggression towards him and his mom through Tony, right? And so the whole Red Rum, although it's a really creepy scene, and I think when you look at it at face value, it seems like Danny is the antagonist of that scene. But this time around, I took that more as like he his his spidey senses were tingling, and so he was trying to warn his mom that murder was on its way. Um, did you did you catch any of that vibe or did you interpret that that scene differently? No, yeah. I always thought that that scene was basically him seeing from Jack's future perspective. Ah, so him kind of seeing what was to come and kind of being in his because earlier on when jack goes into the room i oh i also felt that that danny was kind of seeing through jack's perspective and he was sending that to dick right for help Mm -hmm. and like showing him that something wrong was happening and so i felt like this was a continuation of that where he was seeing what would happen which is why he like picked up the knife and then he but he was trying to like he needed to 
communicate that in some way. And obviously he'd been saying red rum throughout and he didn't really know what that meant, mm-hmm. but the, it was finally being like, exp- it had to be communicated in some way. And so his body just kind of like took over and he was able to spell it out. And obviously that's what clued Wendy in to the old murder situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a clever thing red rum is though. Yeah. I remember when I was younger, not cause watching the movie in bits and pieces like i just forget the reveal the like mirror reveal or i just miss it you know what i mean but mm-hmm. red rum always stuck in my head and i remember being younger being like what the fuck is red rum <laughs> yeah red rum? what is red rum and then you figure out what it is and you're like oh well i feel dumb now. <laughs> well no yeah but it is it is clever but at the same time it's like why would you know what red rum is because red rum is a real thing it's not like a made up word where they're like, now flip it around and say it backwards. You know, like you wouldn't think twice about it. You mm-hmm. And especially because I feel like it's one of those things where there's so much happening in this story that red rum is like the least weird thing about it. <laughs> so you, yeah. So you're kind of like, oh, maybe there'll be something later with like Jack and his, his alcoholism. And, and maybe that's kind of like a clue in so yeah, you don't think about that until this scene and you realize, oh no, it's just he was seeing it backwards, but they was trying to be war- he was trying to be warned about the murders that had occurred there and were going to occur the whole the whole time. It's just he saw it backwards. Yeah, right. So yeah. Okay, that's fair. All right. Now let's talk about a character that you and I have already previously um, kind of hinted that we shared feelings about, which was Mr. Dick Halloran. I'm pissed. Thank you. I was <laughs> like, I, I don't know what other way to say this other than air your grievances. I'm fucking. First off, uh, talk to me about this character, and then talk to me about what it is that bother that bothers you so much about what they did with it. Because it's a it's a vast it's a vastly different character than the one that we get in the book. Correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, Scatman Carruthers plays him in the movie. I think he does an awesome job. Yeah, he's also the sweetest human being ever. If you watch any interviews with that man, holy hell. Oh my gosh, he's just so sweet. And like, I feel like he does a good job of of, um, capturing Dick's essence from the book. Mm -hmm. And... The thing that's really missing is obviously in the book, we get a lot more with Dick. We get a lot more of his backstory. And also we cut a lot more to him attempting to get back to the hotel. Because if I remember correctly, in the in the movie, he's 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 fairly certain something bad's happening, but he's not entirely sure. In the book, Danny like speaks to Dick. Like he's like, Dick, I need your help. Like he sends him a message and so dick knows that something really bad is happening he already goes there knowing that trouble is afoot um so that's a little bit different but yeah for the most part i feel like scatman carruthers does a great job of playing dick making him a very likable character and also making him a character that danny would trust and feel comfortable with and so yeah i love his performance and i love like what I love the, I think he does a good job of kind of, you know, getting forth the information because he gives very, very important information. He tells us what the shine is and that's huge. Like we needed that. I think he does a great job of like 
talking about it and saying it in a way and obviously i know that some of that is up to the writers as well so i think this scene in particular is a great scene where they're sitting there and danny's eating finished his ice cream and he's kind of explaining that to him that's a great scene i i actually i always love that part i think it's nice and i also really love the part where danny realizes that dick can shine like mm-hmm. when he speaks to him that whole sequence is great i i really enjoy it and then they fuck it all up and it pisses me off (laughs) (laughs) it irritates me because the shining really could have been and should have been a movie with the ending that we get in well besides jack but like he dies he he was he dies in any iteration of this you know of this story besides jack this movie could have been a film where nobody needed to die but the tension and the scares were still there because i don't think although it is something that is kind of expected now horror movies don't have to have deaths in them to be scary like it's part of it however it is already established that jack is a violent scary character and we didn't need to see him kill to know that that was already an established fact that he was a threat Mm -hmm. and dick by doing what they did they turned dick into the sacrificial negro and that pisses me the fuck off because his character was much too was was not that it did not need to be that and having him be that means nothing it means nothing besides a body count besides a body count and that is fucking dumb and it like i don't know what it just it makes me so angry anytime i'm watching that movie and it starts to get to that part i want to skip it so bad i didn't because i needed to watch that part for the review mm-hmm. but it's it's frustrating it it it, it it it's so unnecessary what we go back to dick over and over and over again for him to walk through the door and die 10 <laughs> seconds into being in the building are you nuts and like the old now the only reason that he came was so that he could get the the snow cat yeah. up there so that wendy and danny could escape so yeah once again he is killed so that he could allow Wendy and Danny to to live. Yep. And oh my God, what the fuck is that? Like, it just makes me so, so, so mad because he lives in the book. And that is something they changed specifically for the movie. Mm-hmm. And it means nothing. Yeah. That's that that's that's <laughs> the worst. That's the worst part. I think that's the worst part of it every time I come back to the scene and think about it is the fact that i understand why in the movie he gets killed i get it um from a horror movie standpoint you're up in the stakes you're you're boosting this character's danger factor i understand i do but when you have a character that was already written to survive right and then you make that conscious choice to kill them and then you now be turn them into this thing that already plagues this specific movie genre anyway it really takes away from something that could have been really it just it puts this stain on your movie that didn't need to be there and honestly that coupled with the bathroom scene because i had forgotten about the bathroom scene um where they talk about dick um between him and like the 20s guy and Mm -hmm. it's 
it's another one of those moments. And if y'all, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little bit and you're tired of, of whenever I or one of us brings this up, sorry about it. But guess what? We're also tired of it when you're sitting down trying to enjoy a good old school classic movie. And then you have to hear a black person being called the N word for whatever reason. And then watch an hour later that same character who was set up to be such an important part of the plot just get killed for a body count. It's a constant reminder of why we're, we can't get over this and why we're so annoyed with the situation is because I want to be able to sit down and enjoy classic films like this without having to deal with that shit. And I can't because it is immortalized this way. Unless you find a cut for TV version where they cut out those scenes, you have to sit through it every single time you want to watch this movie And it's really frustrating when you're a person of color to like see people like you kind of used in this way. It's, it's, it's annoying. And like, I get it. It was a different time. This was years ago, but the fact of the matter still remains is when you pop on this movie to watch it, you have to watch through these things. And that is going to remain a fact unless they change every version of this movie to cut those scenes out and they won't. So this is what we're going to have to deal with forever. Like it gets immortalized in that way. And it's super frustrating. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely used to the TV version. That's what I normally caught. So this scene definitely took me aback. Um, it was not, I was not expecting that. And yeah, it is really uncomfortable. And I, I don't think this scene would be, I, I feel like we felt the same way when we watched it because Stephen King does use these like racial issues in some of his books. And the thing about it that's nice though, is that Mike is so much more than that in the, in the story. But this part, the way that it's framed now, it really does make it feel like that's all Dick is in the story. He doesn't have the importance that he should have. And so it makes this, it, it sucks. It really sucks. I just think it, it's, it's not beneficial at all to the story. And it's the thing that's stupid to me about it is that it's just, it, it's a blip in time and then it's done. So what the fuck did we build that all up for? Why did we sit there and watch him d- d- running and jumping and backflipping and and do- doing around t- for hours, for days, <laughs> trying to get to the overlook if that was going to happen and it was going to be forgotten? And it means nothing. It means nothing to to the story in the end because like the like I said, okay, cool. Now they have the snowcat and they can leave. And that's it. And that's that's it. it. Like that was the that was the reason. Dog? He provided if all the gonna... answers. He provided the escape escape route. Yeah. He is actually on paper the sacrificial Negro, like from A to fucking Z. It's kind of like, crazy. Literally, his picture. I'm sh- if look it up. I'm sure his picture is right next to the <laughs> <laughs> definition because it's ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous and then it's like we play up this idea this whole idea of the shine and oh we can shine and he can shine and my boy wasn't shining when jack was around the fucking corner was he (laughs) (laughs) didn't even see it coming didn't even hear a sound what was the shine then bro jack has a limp and like is an presumably shuffling up to go and hit you and you don't hear a thing. Mm-hmm. We're also going to ignore the fact that he should be in a freezer. He got locked. He got 
released due to paranormal influence, which I forgot that's how he got out of that fridge. Yeah. And that annoyed the fuck out well, of me. But at, but at the same time, I mean, he gets served paranormal alcohol and, and he drinks that. Like, Yeah, but like you could argue with that. he We see him drinking alcohol, but he could be doing something else. There is no explanation outside of paranormal for how he got out of that fridge because he was well, locked in there, right? Right. But at the same time, these ghosts can interact with the physical world because yeah it's 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 true i get it it's warranted it's there they do explain it but it still pissed me off but i like i will fully admit that my argument there is not grounded it is just personal annoyance i was about to say bit. it's just a thing that annoys you yeah. regardless of the fact that it is it does make sense in the story and is plausible for the story it yeah it just annoys bad. me it's just the thing Literally that annoys it. you across <laughs> across the board it does, it's not special to this movie it's like a thing that would just annoy you anyway. Yeah. Um, um, the, but oh, no, go ahead. No, go for it. Go for it. No, I was just gonna say it's it. It just frustrates me because it makes the last. I don't even care about the last part of the movie after that happens. I'm checked out. I'm like mm-hmm. immediately checked out because. It, even before I had read the book, I always thought that that was weird. And so when I read the book and found out that that wasn't even necessary, they could have just hurt him like they do in the book because he does still get hurt. He mm-hmm. just doesn't die. He, he survives the, um, the interaction with, with Jack. So yeah, to know that that didn't even happen in the book and was just added, like I said, for a kind of jump scare and for body count yeah it's the only reason that that's in there and it does not need to be especially not for this movie because this is not that type of movie this is more of a psychological horror well you could i i will jump in quickly devil's advocate that you could say it's not that kind of story but potentially it could be that kind of movie though um just based on what he the 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 movie that we're getting right that, that's why I preface mine with like, I understand why they kill him off because for the narrative that they're telling in this story, it would make sense that somebody dies. I don't agree. No? I don't, I don't think that they're because I just don't feel like that's the story that we've been getting. Like we haven't been getting any kind of notion i i yes we've been getting that jack is a very dangerous person but like i said that i got that before he ever killed anybody it didn't so well, i we didn't got the, need that well we got the line between him and ghost grady or whatever that dude's name where he's like oh we don't know if you have because he hasn't done anything yet right they're like oh we don't know if you've got the basically the balls to actually go through with this and then immediately he kills somebody afterwards to kind of prove himself would i guess be my argument there but um i i I do see where you're coming from too i i can i can see the the variance in terms of like it is a big jump in his character to now it's a big jump in terms of like actions that he takes but not in like character arc like we feel i feel like we feel basically the same about him post that scene that we do before Before that scene if i'm seeing you i'm seeing you running around with an axe chasing a child i'm still gonna feel 
that way about you even if you killed okay you killed an old man like okay mm -hmm. this, was that supposed to like be hard for you or crazy you know what they should if this is one instance where i think actually it would have been scarier if they did what he did in the book which is hit himself in the face and like he like breaks his face with the axe in the book and i almost feel like that would have been way scarier than seeing him kill somebody else because then at that point you're like oh man he's just gone he's just like, lost he's totally it. lost but yeah. then in this one you get that and then he's chasing danny and then he gets in the maze and he's like bless, bless I, always felt, yeah. <laughs> I always felt like the ending was anticlimactic in terms of his, how he dies that silly. that has always through the year stuck with me that i was like he just freezes like that's it's it the cut that's it's the dramatic cut that gets me because it's like, yeah, we see him and he's like, ah, like screaming and then it immediately cuts and he's like sitting and his eyes are rolled back and he's frozen solid. And yeah, it's a bit of a, you know what? It, it's just a bit of a, okay, they get chased, Danny gets chased around the maze for a long time and then he just finds his way out of the maze and they leave mm -hmm. on, and then that's it <laughs> they leave on the they leave on the snowcat and then jack yeah he it just is. gets lost and he freezes now he's in the picture um yeah it's it's an interesting um ending i will say the imagery of jack frozen there i've always thought was it's cool. iconic mm -hmm. yeah it's iconic it's very <laughs> i did not mean to make the cool pun there but <laughs> i just realized <laughs> i did um but it, it is visually engaging i just it did always feel anticlimactic that that's how this scary character met their demise. I always thought that this is this yeah. is strange to me. Um, and, and then the I know the endings do differ very yeah. greatly. Huge differences. Huge differences. Um, which I did hear a clip of um, Stephen King talking about why, like, I mean, various reasons why he doesn't like the movie, but the ending being a big one. Um, just in terms of tone. Yeah. He loosely says something around like in my movie, the hotel burns. And then in the Kubrick film, the hotel freezes, which in his feelings is that feeling of like warmth versus cold. I always thought that the real difference between my take on it and Stanley Kubrick's take on it was this. In my novel, the hotel burns. In Kubrick's movie, the hotel freezes. It's a difference between warmth and cold. The story that he's trying to tell, I think, has airs of has warmth to it. Where the the Kubrick version is a very cold, collected, meticulous movie. Mm -hmm. um, same with its story. Methodical. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Did, but uh, oh, go, go for it. No, go. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was gonna say. Do you want to know how it ends in the book, or do you want to? wait and find out for yourself i mean it's not uh, it's already been spoiled for me i i know oh, okay. how it ends in the book okay but if we want to keep it on under wraps for the homies we can uh just in well, case there's somebody out there that wants to you know read the what book I, overall, what i will say that doesn't give this doesn't give away how it ends exactly but what i will say that i think i prefer in the book to the movie is the way that the movie ends or i'm sorry the way that the book ends it it kind of comes full story in the sense that the way that the book ends it makes it very very clear that the hotel is a, is has completely influenced everything that jack has done it has been the hotel and it makes it feel more 
it brings it back to their family connections. Whereas in the movie, it kind of still feels like Jack maybe would have done this regardless of if the hotel, if the hotel wanted him to or not. And and then he just kind of dies like being the way that he was. And I think that is what I think that's the biggest thing that's missing from this movie. Like we said before, is that feeling of their redemption. being redemption, but also that feeling of their being family ties mm. there being some kind of thing that connects them what's the connection between danny and jack what do they like together what do they do together what makes them that what makes that relationship strong and what's the connection between wendy and jack why do they love each other so much why are they still why are they still together why did wendy forgive him for what he did you know like that's not there so i don't understand why these people are together at all and it doesn't and it if it feels like part of this movie almost feels like the 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 success story of a woman successfully getting away from her abusive husband like that's mm -hmm. what this movie almost feels like is that she gets away in the end she gets her kid to safety they leave their abusive life behind rather than a family that has some issues but are trying to work through them because they love each other and they want things to work out but these outside forces kind of unravel that it doesn't necessarily feel like that too much yeah it definitely feels like wendy's like i'm i'm leaving i'm leaving him behind her like you know <laughs> i'm getting out of moment. here i'm getting out of here and i'm taking my son like that's what it feels like in the end yeah it, and it, ha it has that vibe there was um there was a uh, something that i ran into in my research which was a little piece done by i believe a, someone named robert Iger. uh you can find it on like youtube or something and i'll link it in the discord for people who want to uh check it out because it's a bit lengthy but he has mm -hmm. this whole um piece about how he actually thinks there may be an undertone of uh, a sexual assault story between uh, Jack and Danny. Um, he actually presents some really good arguments for that take. Um, I have not, I don't have enough information myself to like be here nor there on that take, but, I, but for all our discord peeps, I'll drop a link to that in the discord. So you guys can check that on your leisure, but it was an interesting take that I had not thought about before. But after sitting and listening, they brought up some really good points. I was like, oh, shit, maybe. Hmm, interesting. I um, I mean, I do think that that is always an interesting, not what you just meant, but the the I, this past incident between Danny and Jack is definitely a, it, it's an important part of the story, right? Because we know that Jack has hurt Danny in the past, and we know that he is kind of still trying to atone for that and although they're acting like that has passed it hasn't not really especially not for wendy it seems like that's still something that is consistently in the back of her head and she's always kind of making excuses for it mm -hmm. and i i i like i don't know what it i don't know what it is maybe if we just had another moment i think really i think it is that i think i just really wanted more explored with danny and jack because it just doesn't I, I don't even know how Danny feels about his dad. You know, like in the movie, I don't know how he feels at all about him. I can't tell if he does have a good relationship with him. Or is he still scared of him? The only because we start to get that later once Jack has already started acting weird. Then we start to see that Danny is scared of him. But that's only yeah. because he senses what's going on. He senses. We don't get to see so, the journey. 
Yeah, I, I, I guess I just want because I like what they do with Wendy and Danny when they're like outside and they're playing around. Like, I love that uh, because you really do get to see that they have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. But I need I want to know what Danny and how Danny feels about Jack now, because that, that's something that comes up later when Wendy, Wendy accuses him of hurting Danny and Jack goes and he has that little breakdown at the bar and he says all this stuff about like, I love him. I would never hurt him. Blah, 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 blah. But when? Like, when did you love him? When, <laughs> what do you do with him? Why wouldn't you hurt him? Because it seems like you're ready. I mean, the kid said he was hungry in the car earlier and you were basically like, well, you dumb bitch, you should have ate at the house because <laughs> we're not getting any more food. I'm like, when do you like him? Like, Fair though, let's be real here. What parent is not going to say that to their kid when they know well, damn well there ain't no restaurant for miles on end. You still have saying you hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm poking fun, but that's fair. But how many parents say that? Like they're the joker and how many would just say, Oh, well, we're not going to eat right now. We have to wait till we get to the hotel. He said that like he was like lost his mind. Already. <laughs> He was um, just like, you should have ate at the house. You should have like, had a cheese sandwich. <laughs> um, I'm like, okay. <laughs> which, fun facts that I think everybody knows at this point. I haven't been throwing in fun facts because this is such an iconic movie. People have yeah. already dissected this shit to fucking here to there. But um, one fun fact is that for weeks on end, Jack was fed cheese sandwiches just to make him irritated because um, that's a Kubrick thing that he likes to do. He likes to irritate his actors to get the best performance out of them possible which mm-hmm. you know psychologically break them down yeah that is a uh, that's a point of contention for i think a lot of people myself i do not like the torturous kind of directing i believe that there is a happy medium that you can follow but people's opinions on that do differ uh however there was two things i want to ask you one being do snowstorms in Colorado get this bad? I was genuinely curious about this and I <laughs> wanted to ask this. Yeah, yeah. If you're up in the mountains like they are, then that is accurate. How I mean, they would probably send some plows up to help keep those roads clean, you know, because it is dangerous to just say, oh, good luck. You're isolated for, you know, I mean, and I know that they they do have ways of like communicating. If worse comes to worse, I'm sure they would have sent in like a helicopter or something if they were able to. Um, But no, yeah, storms can get really bad, especially up in the mountains because it starts snowing earlier and it can pile on and freeze up there really quickly. Mm -hmm. So it's not totally, um, you know, it's not totally crazy or wild to say that 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 would be a possibility where they would have to just kind of chill out and wait for the storm to pass mm-hmm. okay fair enough fair enough I, I was genuinely curious i was like that's a lot of snow i <laughs> yeah i'm from the midwest and i still ain't seen snow to that degree in my yeah, entire life that is a lot of snow especially when it's like piled up on the side on when, the side when, when danny when she sends danny out the window and it's like all the way basically yeah. up to the window but i mean that's that wind when you get that wind going it's like it'll it'll blow the snow up all the way up there and then it'll just pile on itself and i think pretty sure they use like salt and like crushed up styrofoam to do the yeah. snow um which was a good good choice because it really does look exactly like snow so like i mm-hmm. couldn't tell the difference 
Um, yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, it looks super good. Uh, the second question I had for you was, now we, we spent some time here airing our grievances as we knew we were going to coming into this review. But that being said, this is still a film that is very well known for its iconic cinematography and shots and moments that have lasted throughout the years. And I was curious if you have a favorite scene or sequence from this film that has stuck with you. Yeah, I do. My Mine are kind of random. I love the part where they're in the maze and they have like that little, they have the little version of the maze that's inside of the hotel. Mm-hmm. And Jack like looks over it and it does that overhead shot of the actual maze outside and you see Danny and Wendy in the center. Mm-hmm. I always thought that shot was really cool, especially because it really makes it feel like you can really see the lines start to draw where it feels like it's Danny and Wendy and then Jack. It's mm-hmm. like them versus Jack and he's kind of like watching them, even if he's not. It, it feels like he's kind of like watching and overseeing them while they're out playing together. Mm-hmm. I always thought that was a really cool scene. And then I don't know why, <laughs> but I've always loved the scene where it it's it's it frustrates me cuz it's right after he kills Dick, but I I always loved that shot where he is walking down and he's like in that long hallway that leads to the kitchen and he's like Danny and Danny comes out of his hiding spot and runs mm-hmm. and like and then Jack starts running after him and the music kicks in i always love that mm-hmm. shot i always just thought it was really cool oh that was um, that was something we didn't talk too much about was the music the scoring in this movie is really good mm-hmm. it, yeah I, i've always loved the scoring i think who was it uh Gordon Stanforth was in charge of uh, along with Kubrick was in charge of scoring the film. And I just love that they use that. Uh, I forget. There's an actual term for it where movements or actions match uh, the music, where they match the music to things that are happening. Um, mm-hmm. It's like something that they used to use a lot back in the day, but they used it quite a few times in this movie in a very effective way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the the music in this and like i said i the shots in this i always love when he does the the tracking shots and he'll follow people and follow them through the room mm-hmm. because it really does kind of, it does make you feel like you are there alongside them it almost makes you feel like maybe you're a ghost you know just kind of like walking along them and they don't acknowledge you or see you but you're more involved so i really love i really do like those shots that he does as well but yeah i think that those two are my some of my favorites so they're the scenes that always stick out to me mm-hmm. when when i go to rewatch this movie um but then of course i always love the ones where danny is you know triking through the <laughs> through the halls those are always really cool shots as well yeah it's um, kind of like seeing different parts of the hotel i like mm-hmm, those as well yeah yeah, it's cool, and it and it, I love that we're at his level, mm-hmm. and we are following him particularly because, yeah, you never really know if something's going to be, I mean, if you've watched it a bunch of times, you do, but it's, it's fun to kind of be like, ooh, something going to be around the corner, mm-hmm. and there is kind of that sense of, 
dread every time they go around a corner of it, which we get to see a little bit later on when Wendy is kind of being like accosted by all of these ghosts in mm-hmm. all of these rooms. Um, that yeah, this idea of when you go around the corner is something going to be there or are you going to just keep it moving? Like, I think that's a really fun, fun thing to play with. Yeah. What about you? I mean, there, there are a lot of scenes that I really enjoy in this movie um, just because they're so beautifully shot and they really are masterfully done. I will not take that from Kubrick. Like when he does finally get that shot or stitch together that shot, it usually looks pretty damn good. Um, I have always been a fan of the all work and no play scene when she, when we get the reveal of what he's been typing on the typewriter, Mm -hmm. something about that scene has always stuck out to me. I, 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 for me, it's a, it's a great harmonic, harmonic point where the tension, the story and the characters all kind of mesh together for a moment Mm -hmm. where it's like we get to find out what the hell is going on with Jack, which answers a lot of story questions. And then we also get to have Shelley Duvall's performance of like discovering this. I've always just loved that reveal. And then the scene afterwards is really good. Um, I always giggle because I'm like, does Wendy not know how to hold a baseball bat? I always <laughs> yeah. think that every single time. Yes, and that's the thing. I feel like Kubrick like, told her to hold things in a very certain way to almost make her seem like a more, fr- more fragile, fragile or like she yeah. yeah or like she doesn't really know sh- how to be like strong and and you know attack which is fair but yeah the baseball bat and also the way that he makes her run with the knife <laughs> up, right like like she's like she's i don't oh, know no. like like she's ebenezer scrooge running through the <laughs> night with the lit candle like she has it up in her hand the whole time and it's and it looks silly but i have a feeling that he asked her to do that because he wanted it to look more because i mean it does look cinematic right having her waving around that big old knife but Mm -hmm. if this was real life it'd be very dangerous to have the knife up by your face like that because if you trip and fall like (laughs) what are you gonna do yeah and the way she's running like feels kind of comedic too and it's, it's it's hard to tell dude because you have this director, right, who, like, that baseball scene of them walking up the stairs, how many, like, 127 mm-hmm. times they had to shoot that one scene, which, to me, just sounds horrible. Like, yeah. oh, my God. I don't know if I could work on a set where somebody's, like, do 100 takes of a scene. Right. No. Heck no. But kidding when, me? Yeah. But when you're working with a director like that, it's hard to then tell in the final product how much of certain scenes are like actor choices and how much of them are directorial choices. It's really hard to know if you weren't there the day to like know who decided what. Um, But I just feel like with how much of a perfectionist he is, and if you're going to do that many takes, it's because one thing isn't right in a certain take. You want to get another one just to have options. If you have 100 takes of something, you're going to choose the best take. And so... Something about me, I just feel like the way that, especially because you have a lot of shots behind her and then in front of her, I feel like he had her hold the bat at a very certain angle so that it looked good Mm -hmm. in the camera. But as a result, it It looks looks weird for a human being. Like it, it looks weird if you were thinking of, yeah, like realistic terms, but 
on camera, maybe that was the best way possibly. for it to to look. Yeah, possibly. Because I've seen her, I've seen her in other things, and she she holds things totally normal. <laughs> speaking of speaking of that, I I was looking up Shelley Duvall's acting um, history. I didn't realize she is in the movie Casper Meets Wendy, which is was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. That shook my brain because I didn't really? even realize. Yeah, she plays one of the aunt witches <laughs> um, to Hilary Duff's Wendy. Um, but yeah, uh -huh. she is in that movie. And obviously, when I was originally watching that at the age I was, I hadn't even I didn't recognize her because I'd never seen The Shining. And then I haven't watched Casper Meets Wendy in forever. So I never put two and two together. But that shook me to my core. See, I only knew her from the Popeye remake, which I probably caught on TV. Popeye? Yeah, like she's olive oil in Popeye. 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 Like the live action Popeye. Popeye. No, I know what you're talking about. Wait, but... am I saying it wrong? Popeye. Pop Popeye. 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 She's in the puppy I like, movie. I was like, okay. <laughs> but yes, yes, she, yeah, olive oil in that as well. Oh. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have grievances with this movie, right? I really do. However, it's coming from a place of like, I'm, I always watch this movie not trying to live into, or not trying to live in the hype because everyone who loves this movie hypes this movie up so much. Mm -hmm. it, it almost makes it hard to watch it objectively as a film because it, you always feel like if a thousand people are like, this is the best movie ever made and you don't like it, it makes you kind of shift on your own opinions of like, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm the problem and like I don't understand how good this is. Um, mm -hmm. But after watching it a couple times, like can confidently say like the parts that bother me or irritate me still do. Um, though over the years, I will say as I've grown more, watched more and learned more, I do have appreciation for the good things that are in this movie, like from the cinematography, the great performances, honestly, and some really cool moments. I, I, there are parts of this movie that I do like, Yeah, I just don't mm -hmm. absolutely love it the same way that everybody else does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. There's a lot of this movie is, is great. Like I said, it's got some really cool shots and I will say I do enjoy kind of just watching their day to day. I, I know for a lot of people, that's probably the more boring part of it is just kind of watching them like living. Mm -hmm. But I actually really enjoyed that. I I, th I think that that's fun to see kind of what they're doing. I think especially nowadays after going through quarantine and stuff, it's something that I think a lot of people can relate to is like, okay, now what do we do? Yeah, that isolation and, and trying to keep yourself busy and maybe yeah being with people that you really don't want to be stuck with maybe that is something that you can relate to now and so i love seeing that first bit like that first hour i think is is really interesting but i think where it could have been amazing is if we dove into the nuances and the characters themselves a little bit more in that first hour rather than focusing so much on jack and so much on just shots of stuff mm -hmm. i think that would have been more fun to flesh all of them out within that hour because then when you go when stuff starts to go bad you really have a handle on these characters and you really know you know things about them and how they might handle it and you care about them and yeah i 
I think that would have made it like way better, at least for me. I know some people don't care about yeah. that, but yeah. And, yeah, again, personal opinion. And um, before we rate, I know we didn't necessarily go like super deep in depth on every single point of this movie, but as we we're saying before, this is a movie that has been explored ad nauseum at this point. There are so many different places that you can go for information about different little theories and nuances about this film, a lot of which we will probably share in our discord. So, you know, make yeah. sure that you're in there if you're not already, but we will continue the conversation post this. Like, don't worry. We'll, yeah. we will still talk about the shining, even if we didn't cover your favorite scene or favorite point from the movie. Don't worry. We'll still talk about it. It's just going to be in a different medium. Yeah. Especially too. If, if, if you're listening to this on Monday, come and check us out on Twitch because we'll discuss it before, you know, we'll we'll discuss it a little bit at the beginning of our stream. And since The Shining is so well known and so many people have already seen it, we can get a little bit more in depth about it um, on on stream without worrying about spoiling anybody too much. So if you guys want to come and check that out, then please do. My last little note that I wanted to say is I always think about how funny it would be if Wendy found the Jack's, you know, transcript and was like looking through it and all of the, it said all that, like all work and no play. And then she just got to like a random page that was like smut or something, or he had like started writing like a romance, novel, like, a, <laughs> like an erotic novel. And then he like didn't like it. And that's when he started to trail into that. <laughs> I just thought that'd be so funny. That would be really fun. Honestly, you could probably just <laughs> put anything in there and it'd be kind of funny if it's just all, Jack and Jack all work, Jack all work, Jack all work, then a beautiful page of prose that yeah, yeah. Jack all work and no play. Just like throw yeah. a random page of something in there. That would be pretty fucking funny. Of something. I, I'd and live for like, that. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, ooh. Yeah, this book wasn't gonna be that good anyway. Yeah. That's not bad. She's like, dang, he really had something here. Oh well. Like, where's this in the bedroom when I'm there? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's let's go ahead and rate this movie what's what's gonna be the metric for today erica um should we rate it out of um creepy fingers we can rate it out of red rums red rum of finger. twins of ghost twins um we can do jacksicles <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think we might <laughs> yeah a, a jacksicle yeah yes uh, i threw that one in there as a maybe i was like maybe she'll like this one i don't know you did good it, oh my gosh i just realized this is the second frozen jack that i've seen in a movie uh leonardo dicaprio was also named jack and he also froze to death oh shit you're right yeah wow damn. well if you're ever all, playing a jack damn, in a movie all be, comes full circle <laughs> yeah be wary <laughs> Wear a coat mm -hmm, Wear and stay away and stay away from the ocean because it's not looking too good. It's not, not looking too good. All right. <laughs> uh, you want me to go first then? Yes, please. Okay. All right. Well, after some internal debating, I have decided to give The Shining 3.8 out of 5 Jacksicles. <laughs> all in all, I think I've covered a large amount of my issues with the film. Um, but I want to leave you guys with this thought that, again, I think this is a really good movie. I think this is a really well-made movie. And I think this movie has a lot, a lot of good. The reason why it is not up there in the high echelon of like the high fours and the fives for me personally 
is I think when you watch it objectively and when you start bringing in some plot points from the books, the movie doesn't hold up as as strongly as I think a lot of people say it does. And I don't think the movie is by any means perfect. I think this movie does a lot of good things, tells an interesting and engaging story, but is missing in terms of some character arcs as well as some character relationships that I think would have fleshed out the overall narrative a bit more. But when you have a movie that's two, almost two and a half hours long, you could only really fit in so much. So I do get it. It's just there, there are parts that I think could be better. So all in all, really good movie. Still definitely understand why people consider this one of the best movies. Um, but for me, it is a 3.8 out of 5 Jacksicles. Alrighty. Um, I'll give this a 3.5 out of 5 Jacksicles. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys know what I think. It's just for a movie that is meant to be like an unraveling of someone's, you know, psyche and and watching them essentially descend into madness. I just don't think it does that. I just think we start kind of wild and then we get crazier than that which is kind of a bummer and i don't i think it could have worked i i still think that that could have worked in a certain way but the way that it's played here it doesn't entirely mesh for me i think a little uh, like i said the shots are beautiful there's a lot of style here there's a lot of perfection in that but as a result of that perfection i just think you lose some of that heart that i would like the characters to have because we we don't get to spend as much time getting into like what makes them a family why should we care about them and then the one character that we do get to care about is tossed to the side for no reason and it's very irritating and unfortunate and they did, I will dirty. Say, they did them dirty i'm never gonna be i'm never gonna get over that <laughs> i'm always gonna be upset about that and i will say i mentioned earlier the mini series i do think that the mini series is actually the opposite i love the way they do the characters there however there are a lot of things in the mini series that because of the budget and also because it just works better in, in a book. They include a lot of things that don't translate well to screen. So I will give that to Kubrick. A lot of the iconic things that people attribute to The Shining are specific to the movie. They don't even happen in the book. And so I will give that to him because he was successfully created some imagery and some moments that I think have stuck in a lot of people's minds and are very effective. So for that alone, I feel like this movie deserves at least three stars. I gave it another 0.5 because it... The act, I do want to give it up to, like I said, Shelley Duvall and um, Danny, who played Danny, I think do great, do great jobs. And Jack Nicholson, when he is, when it, when he can fully be into, you know, the like hell bent Jack Torrance is great, but he missed it for me everywhere else. So Mm, 3.5 jacksicles out of five very nice hot takes coming from the homies today hot Um, takes and hot cakes (laughs) there's there's actually one more thing i want to throw in there that i couldn't help noticing but jack nicholson is actually very much a tongue actor it's something that he waggles he waggles that tongue somebody pointed uh, like a photographer friend of mine pointed that out to me once where he's like i hate 
the way that tongues look on camera. I just think they're very distracting. Mm -hmm. And ever since he said that to me, whenever I'm watching something and somebody acts and is like actively like licking their lips or like putting their tongue out, I can't help but see it. And yeah. and Jack Nicholson, that he likes that move. He 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 likes a little tongue acting in his performances. Jack, I've noticed that this time. Jack Nicholson is tongues, teeth, and brows. Look at his acting, and if you focus on those three things, you'll see that he uses those to convey his emotions quite often. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, tongues, teeth, and brows. That's his his three things that he likes to punctuate. <laughs> the, which, whole, the holy Jack Trinity. The holy <laughs> You want to be a great actor, kid? You need three things. <laughs> you need tongue, you need teeth, you need and you need and eyebrows. You need brows. <laughs> and you'll make it. You'll, you'll be a star, kid. You'll be a star in Hollywood. Um, so, yeah, check that out next time you watch, <laughs> you watch a second. Look out for one of the three or all three. Um, but, yeah, that is it for our, our shots, our, our thoughts on The Shining. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know we said this movie is overrated. I don't necessarily believe in overrated um, because I feel like for what people like, then it is properly rated. Like I said, everything is everybody's opinion. If a bunch of people like a movie doesn't necessarily mean it's overrated. It might be to you, but it's probably, you know, where it where it belongs as far as the masses go, like the mass opinion goes. So. You know, it, it is what it is. But I will say one other thing I forgot to add, um, mention earlier is Miss Wendy giving the fashion girls a run for their money. I love her outfits. Every time I watch this movie, I remember how much I love her outfits, particularly the, oh, the, the overall dress, the tan corduroy overall dress is a Bop. It's a banger. It's a vibe. I love that for Wendy. I think she's killing it and she's really living that even if people can't see me, I'm still going to show up and show out. I'm going to be comfortable. I'm going to be cozy. I'm going to be warm. Aesthetic. And I love that. I love it. It's giving me, it's giving me everything. It's giving me the life that the rest of this movie doesn't give me. So I do love that. So tell us your thoughts. I'm. I know everybody has some. Yeah. Um, everybody, so, cool off for a second. Take a, take a couple breaths. All right. No, you're upset, but have some water. But yeah, I I definitely want to hear where you fall on the Shining debate. Are you in the uh, cinematic masterpiece camp? Are you in the middle where you're like it's all right? Which I feel like is where we're at. We're very much in the middle. Mm -hmm. Or are you on the side of I can't? with the shining because that is also totally fair um but i would really like to know where you fall on this movie so come have a chit chat with us like roshane said we'll probably be discussing this in the discord um because we had plenty of things that we didn't touch on today because similarly to the movie this would have been like a two and a half hour episode if we did um so if you want to come into the discord and talk to not only us but other homies about their thoughts then the link for that is in our social media bios speaking of social media you can always talk to us on instagram if you would like or hit instagram or Twitter or Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we're homies of horror on everything. Um, so you can tell us your thoughts there. You can also shoot us any requests or recommendations if you'd like. We also take those at our email, which is homies of horror 
at gmail.com. And once again, like I said earlier, we will be streaming on Twitch tonight if you're listening to this on Monday. And most likely we'll have a slight discussion about it before our at the very beginning of our stream. So if you'd like to come check that out and also hang out and watch us play some spooky games, then the link for our Twitch is also in our social media bios. And last but never least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would go to um, Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. We always love to hear from you guys and what you're thinking of the show. And not only that, but it's very helpful for us. It helps get our podcast recommended to more people. Uh, so the more, or the more, what are they? Ratings and reviews <laughs> we have. <laughs> I was like, everything starts with an R, recommendations, requests, <laughs> ratings, reviews. Um, the more of those we have, then the more likely people are to see us. So if you have an Apple um, account and you would like to do that, then that'd be awesome. But other than that... We're done talking about The Shining today, homies. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed our takes, whether you agreed or disagree. We hope you enjoyed our takes on this movie, at least. And uh, next week, we will be diving into another super December-esque movie. So we'll see you then. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.